0: The Truth News Network. Remember when your mother told you if you can't say something good, don't say anything at all? Well.
1: Da, 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 da. <laughs> I guess we can't say anything at all, right? Pete Moss told us, if you can't think of anything good to say, don't say anything at all. Well, good morning, everybody. We're going to say some things, some really good things, believe me. It's not all bad. You're breathing. You're on the right side of the dirt today. And just know this, whatever challenges you have are going to get better. We lost a great singer last night. Gordon Lightfoot. Remember this?
2: If you could read my mind, love, what a tale my thoughts could tell. Just like an old-time movie about a ghost from a wishing well. In a castle dark or a fortress strong with chains upon my feet, you know that ghost is me. And I will never be set free As long as I'm a ghost You can't see If I could read your mind, love What a tale your thoughts could tell Just like a paperback novel The kind the drugstore sells When you reach the park walk away like a movie star who gets burned in a three-way street Enter number two A movie queen to play the scene of bringing all the good things out in me But for now, love, let's be real Never thought I could act this way And I've got to say that I just don't get it I don't know where we went wrong But the feeling's gone And I just can't get it back If you could read my mind, love What a tale my thoughts could tell Just like an old time movie About a ghost from a wishing well In a castle dark Or a fortress strong With chains upon my feet The stories always end If you read between the lines you'll
1: years in radio, I played that song for the very first time when I went to work for four and a half months at a country radio station, and I'm not a country fan, but he was considered to be, Gordon Lightfoot, who just sang that song, is big hit, if you can read my mind, he was considered to be a country artist. But boy, did he relate to a lot of people that weren't country fans back then. And he had a couple of other songs at the end of the show today. We'll play his second monster hit for you. Gordon Lightfoot died yesterday. Canadian guy actually lived in Canada, was born there, and he passed away there. Every once in a while, somebody dies that you may remember but you really don't know. You know what I'm talking about? It's somebody that you heard of. And of course, everybody's heard that song, if you could read my mind. That's one thing I don't want to leave with vacancy about me. Not so much about me, but the accomplishments that I have made during my life. And for those of you that are listening that are much younger than I am, I'm 69 and gonna be 70 in a couple of months. You think, why are you talking about that, you old fart? (laughs) It's because I'm an old fart. The older you get, the more you realize. I guess it was about my 50th birthday for me. You're going to realize this if you haven't yet. You get to a point in your life where one day, ding, 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 guess what? More of your life is behind you than there is in front of you. Now, that doesn't mean you're on a downhill slide. Don't get me wrong, but it's just you think a little bit different. You bring in more thoughts, things that you maybe just thought about for a second once or twice previously. But all of a sudden, you think about things like your legacy. What are you leaving for your family? What kind of substantive things have you left in your kids And your grandkids, and maybe for some of you, great-grandkids. And I'm not just talking about money and property and assets. I'm not talking about that. That's part of it. But the older you get, you realize that's not the most important part of it. Substantive things, not dollars and cents, but things that you can't get from any place else other than from you. They'll... Have to consider those things, and they tie them to you. Things that you've said to them. Maybe things you've done for them. Maybe issues that came up between you. Some, sadly, never resolved. Hopefully, more than not, have been resolved. And you remember the torture that you went through on the front end of it? Maybe it's a lover's squabble. Or maybe it's something serious like disease and death in your family, all those things begin to mean more. Never diminish the importance of anything that happens in your life. If for no other reason it's there, just to teach you a lesson, maybe it's just that, you know, we don't need to worry about all these little things. We're gonna be okay on the other side of them, whatever and however they resolve. If you don't live in that world, you're going to be miserable. There will be points in your life when you, you'll say and think, is it worth it? Let me say this. It is worth it. I can look now. I can look back at 69 years. I've had a rough stretch or two or three in my life. You name it. I've had it. Health, family, relationships, business, the whole spectrum out there. And you probably can say the exact same thing. But at the end of it all, my old Sunday school teacher, my senior year in high school, what difference is it going to make in 100 years? The eternal things are the things that we need to concentrate the most on. The eternal things, what are those? Spiritual things. Do you believe there's life after this when you do assume room temperature? Yeah, those are very important things that you got to get straight in your life. The eternal things. There are a lot of people out there that don't believe that there is life after our human death. There is. I promise you, there is. And you need to prepare for it. We all do. If you get out of this thing, and you have eternal life because of a relationship you have with God, a lot of the stuff that you worry and fret about now is gonna be absent. You get to that point, you trust God, you believe in eternal life, you believe the word in the Bible, all of those words in the Bible, you'll end up being okay. You know why? Because you'll act in your life according to what you let come into your life. If you're one of those that the sky is falling every day, that's what's going to dominate your life, and you're going to be unhappy. You're going to be sad. You're going to be desperate. You're going to be fearful. You don't want to go there. And the only way and the only reason you go there is because you choose to go there. Find a way to adopt this mindset. My glass is half full, not empty, and look at every challenge that you face. And even if you just consciously in the front of it when it first comes up, say, hey, I'm going to get through this. There's life on the other side of this, and I'm going to get through it, and I'm going to be okay. If you start there and back into the issue, you'll be a hot a whole lot better off. And Let me just say this about our world that we live in today. There's a whole lot of nastiness out there. There's a whole lot of bad stuff that's happening around us. And unfortunately, they're never going to completely go away. If it's not Ukraine, if it's not inflation, if it's not prices here in the United States, if it's not sickness, there will always be another one. And each of them are just one thing in life. Don't ever let desperation drive you to do something that you should not do and you know it. Don't let emotions, don't let fear Drive your boat. Keep on top of it. Be positive. I mean, what could it hurt? Be positive. Think about the good things. You have to puzzle through the bad things too. But don't let them dominate who you are. Because it doesn't matter how you decide in those circumstances what to do, what not to do. You're still going to be you on the other side of it. And I would always like to be considered a guy that the glass is always half full and it's never half empty. Let's move on in our show today. We have quite a few important things we need to dig into. We're going to start at the White House. A couple of big things coming out of the White House. One that just shocked me, Corrine Jean-Pierre, Joe Biden's press secretary, she dropped a a bomb (laughs) On the media yesterday. She was eviscerated on Twitter. And here's why. She declared, listen to this the White House press secretary declared illegal immigration was down by 90% since implementing President Biden's immigration policies. Now, that's not a typographical error. (laughs) She actually said that during yesterday's press conference. Here's how it set up. A reporter asked Jean-Pierre about Biden's plans to deal with illegal immigration. And Pierre, she insisted that Biden has already put forth efforts to address the broken immigration system, quote, on his first day in this administration. And then she touted all of his successes. I'm going to quote the press secretary. Listen closely. In the meantime, he has tools that he's used to make sure we do this. We actually deal with the immigration system in a humane way, in a way that actually deals with what we're seeing at the border. And that's why you've seen the parolee program be so successful. When it comes to illegal immigration, you've seen it come down by more than 90%. And that's because of this, the actions that this president has taken. And we needed some patriotic music behind that. (laughs) But she wasn't through. Here's some more. But we know that more actions need to be taken, so it has to be legislative action. We're going to continue to call Congress to do that, and so this is important to this president. On day one, day one, he put forth the legislation to move forward on this. And of course, the Twitter world, as I said, they exploded. Social media, Facebook, Instagram, all of them, they just went nuts, down 90%. That's what everybody concentrated on. Washington Free Beacon investigative reporter Chuck Ross, he's been on this show before, he said, maybe the biggest lie from the White House podium so far (laughs) this year How does she still have this job? That's by an editor of Hot Air, Karen Townsend. How does she still have this job? These people think we're stupid. Mike Sparazza, Financial Guys podcast. Americans are not stupid. Now, let me ask you this. Just for a second, think through why the White House press secretary would say something like that. It's very, very obvious. (laughs) We've had five Million illegals come in since Joe Biden was inaugurated. Five million. And <laughs> it's down 90%. I mean, you do the math. <laughs> oh, you just can't make this stuff up. And in the Biden administration, Cory Jean Pierre is anything but alone. We have this Secretary of State, Antony Blinken. I always wondered why parents name their kids when they're going to name them Anthony with an H. Why some of them leave that H out, Anthony. Maybe his mama didn't like him. I don't know. So he's on the hot seat now, and he's denied having any role in that 2020 letter that was signed by those 51 current and past intelligent officials that aim to discredit the Hunter Biden laptop as part of a Russian disinformation campaign. I'm tired of talking about this thing. And these guys just continue to bring up the insanity with all of the lies they tell. Here's what he said yesterday, and I I, uh, I read this and I listened to him say it. I actually I downloaded him saying it. I'm not going to play it for you. But I almost threw up the first time I said heard him say it. One of the great benefits, he said, one of the great benefits of this job is that I don't do politics and I don't engage in it. Yeah, right. I mean, come on now. That's all anybody that is in any cabinet position, any appointed condition other than positioned, other than the cabinet. Everybody in there. They're in politics. That's the number one on the list of what you got to do if you work in the Biden administration and to be quite honest with you, most other administrations, too. He said, but with regard to that letter, I didn't, and he stopped, and he continued, it wasn't my idea, didn't ask for it, didn't solicit it, and I think the testimony that the former deputy director of the CIA, Mike Morrell, put forward, confirms that. Now, this was yesterday in an interview, Blinken was with a Fox News reporter, And if you don't know what I'm talking about, back in October of 2020, weeks before that election, dozens of ex-national security officials signed a letter. And I, I still can't understand the justification for their doing it because they said, they claimed in the letter that they knew factually the laptop story, Hunter Biden's laptop story that we know now is confirmed even by media and the FBI and the CIA is legitimate, as are all of its contents. Oh, those 51 said, we know this is Russian disinformation weeks before the election. Now why would they do that? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Secretary Blinken, he said, you know, I don't I'm not into politics. You think those 51 would say those things, put their careers and reputations on the line if they weren't into politics at that particular moment? It was all about politics. Last month, CIA Deputy Director Michael Morrell, who Anthony Blinken was just talking about, he testified before the House Judiciary and Intelligence Committee, both of them, and he said that Blinken was, quote, the impetus, that's his words, Blinken was the impetus for the public statement signed in October of 2020, and in that letter, he stated the laptop belonging to Hunter Biden was disinformation. Republicans, they said that based on the deputy director's testimony, it's obvious that the Biden campaign played an active role in the origins of the public statement, which had the effect of helping to suppress that Hunter Biden story. And you and I both know, if it, if it had come out then, It would have been picked up, it would have been iced and diced quickly before the election, and it would have made some difference. There is no question about it. Later in that interview, Blinken doubled down on his opening remarks. He said, again, from my perspective, I'm not engaging in politics I've got a lot on my agenda with things that we've just talked about, trying to help the Ukrainians and the Russian aggression against them, engaging with allies and partners around the world, and dealing with some of the challenges posed by China. We have a situation now in Sudan that has fully occupied my time, so that's where my focus is. He was very occupied, too, when we jerked all our troops out of Kabul, Afghanistan and left hundreds of Americans and hundreds of our allies there that we had promised. When we withdraw, whenever that's going to be, we don't know now, but when we pull out, we're not going to do it without making you safe first. Today, more than a year and a half ago, we left Afghanistan, and there are still Americans and American allies that work with us We promised if you work with us, when we leave, we're going to make sure you're out safely before we go. They're still hiding. And he doubled down last week on the Sudan situation and actually said most of the Americans that are in Sudan, they want to stay. Same thing they said in Afghanistan. Lies. I don't have much. I don't have much for Anthony Blinken. He's got a history. He was in the Clinton administration. That should tell you enough. No, he wasn't in Bill's administration. He was in Hillary Clinton as Secretary of State's administration. And he got caught up in the Middle East in that creation of ISIS by the Obama administration and Obama Secretary of State, Hillary Clinton. But there's even more to Blinken now. Republican Senator Ron Johnson, and also Chuck Grassley. They are now accusing Antony Blinken for providing false testimonies. Emails show that Blinken and his wife both tried to influence U.S. government officials on behalf of, you're going to love this, Burisma Holdings, that massive, corrupt Ukrainian gas company that Hunter Biden served on the board of making somewhere between fifty dollars and $80,000 a month. Now, where is this coming from? Well, those senators, Ron Johnson and Chuck Grassley, they wrote a letter to Blinken yesterday. The senators wrote that the false statements occurred when he sat for a transcribed interview in December of 2020 before the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee while he was still working for the Biden campaign. He wasn't in office yet. Biden wasn't, so Antony Blinken wasn't Secretary of State. And in the letter, it came out that Blinken was aiming, which means in politics, negotiating for the Secretary of State job. Senator's letter. Here's just a part of it. On December twenty-second, 2020, You gave false testimony to Congress during your voluntary transcribed interview. As part of our ongoing investigation into the Biden's business dealings, you agreed to participate in an interview with our staff to talk about your relationship with Hunter Biden, among other topics. At the start of that interview, our staff reminded you of the statute that makes it a crime to lie to Congress. You acknowledged your understanding of that statute. You said there's no reason you would be unable to provide truthful answers during the interview. And then Johnson and Grassley in the letter informed Blinken that based on emails from Hunter's laptop and even other records and information that is now more widely available, Blinken's 2020 statement to Congress was blatantly false. False. Your statement to Congress that you did not email Hunter Biden is not true and calls into question the veracity of your entire December 22nd, 2020 testimony. Based on evidence now available, your above statement is patently false. Emails contained on Hunter's laptop and recent reports are revealed that you did in fact email Hunter on at least two occasions, contradicting what you told Congress and congressional investigators. This email, it shows Hunter Biden writing to Blinken's personal email address asking to meet to get your advice on a couple of things to which Antony Blinken, now Secretary of State, replied, absolutely. But that's not all. Another email from 2016, show that Hunter Biden and his business associate, Eric Schwerin, were directed to please call Evan Ryan Hunter. She tried your cell earlier, and it went straight to voicemail. It seems highly unlikely that you had no idea of Hunter's association with Burisma while your wife was apparently coordinating with Hunter Biden to potentially connect you with Burisma's U.S. representatives. The senator's letter to Blinken revealed that Blinken and his wife, Joe Biden's cabinet secretary, Evan Ryan, were both embroiled in an alleged attempt to influence U.S. government officials on behalf of Burisma Holdings, a Ukrainian company. Blinken told Senate investigators under oath in 2020 he had no knowledge of Hunter's service on the board of Burisma. Didn't know about Blue Star Strategies, which is a Democrat consultancy hired by the firm in 2015 to improve its image in Washington. But State Department emails show that Blinken spoke with Blue Star CEO Karen Tremontano at a political event around July of 2016 while he was Deputy Secretary of State under you-know-who Hillary Clinton and agreed to have a coffee with her to discuss some troubling events we are now seeing in Ukraine. The government and laptop emails suggest that Blinken was a little bit more aware of Hunter dealings then he has led on, and that's being mild. He lied about him. The Blue Star Connection says this. State Department documents obtained during our investigation, these are these two senators, make it clear you were concurrently trying to connect with representatives from Blue Star Strategies. It all boils down to one thing and one thing only, and you know exactly what that is. Lies. Lies. People in the highest positions in the Biden administration are lying. Lying under oath. Lying about very substantive matters that mean things. A lot of things. And you know the saddest thing about it all? Here we are, you and me. We've been listening to this drivel for years. The same drivel coming from the same people, even more, peeling back every day, more layers are evidencing the corruption that has permeated pretty much everything Biden has done, not just since being president, but when he was vice president for eight years. He did a lot of things. He may have done some good. I don't know of any, and I mean that sincerely. I don't know of any real, meaningful, positive thing he did as vice president. Maybe he did. I'll give him credit for it if he did, but let me tell you what he did do. He created a syndicate, and he set up members of his own family not only to be the worker bees in creating and perpetrating and growing this syndicate, especially in value, But to cover for him, that may be the most evil part of this: is using family members to enrich himself.
3: Thirty-five years after the original movie, Fox is bringing you back to where it all began.
1: Nobody puts baby in the corner. This is the real
4: dirty dance.
3: Eight celebrities compete to become the real baby and Johnny. Forgot
4: my Johnny ears.
2: Some will rise. Some will fall. All will have the time of their life. The Real Dirty Dancing four-week event
0: starts Tuesday at 9 on Fox 5. Get cracking and feel unbeatable with new Omelette Bites from Dunkin'. Bacon and cheddar or egg white and veggie. Made with cage-free eggs and packed with protein. Take on the day with new Omelette Bites from Dunkin'. America runs on Dunkin'.
4: This is your home. This is your family room, slash gym. The guest bedroom, slash music studio. The day bed, slash dog bed. The living room, slash yoga shanti slash regional office, How
2: did you guys do
4: it? slash classroom. And this is the basement, slash panic room. Maybe what your family needs is a vacation home, slash vacation home. Find yours on the Vrbo
3: app.
0: When playing football, you run up to 120 pitches. You work out 650 muscles. You withstand three times your body weight. You treble your adrenaline production. You raise your heartbeat to 180 times per minute. And in the end, you lose up to three liters of sweat for one goal. This game is not a game. Gatorade works with no artificial colors or sweeteners. Locked and loaded with Truth Ammo. Taking aim at the problem, it's Dan Newman.
1: One of the heroes, if not the hero, appears here one time a week, and that's usually every Tuesday I'm talking about Steve. Steve Baker, investigative journalist, photo investigative journalist. He's normally here on Tuesday. He will be with us, but not today. And there's a good reason why. He will be with us tomorrow instead Second hour of the show, 10 Central, but he'll be in studio. Always love it when Steve comes by when he's in town. It just seems a little more colloquial, you know, when you can sit across a console, studio console, and have a face-to-face conversation with someone. So Steve Baker will be with us this week, but not until tomorrow. Tomorrow at 10 a.m. And he's been doing a lot since he was here a week ago. He's got some very, very important things to tell us tomorrow. Talk about peeling back the layers of onions. This guy, he's incredible. Some weeks when things are really highly contested in government, you know, so many question marks, things that are out there and you just can't get your fingers on them. And it's not just one or two, but dozens. Our show ratings, that means the numbers of you that are listening in when Steve Baker's here because he is an investigative journalist and he's always got stuff that maybe you and I don't know about. We have more listeners on Tuesday normally in that second hour than any other single hour of our show. Now, I got to be careful he, he gets the big head, so I don't want him to think too highly of himself. He'll be coming in here asking me to double his pay. <laughs> yeah, all right. I hope he's listening this morning. I haven't looked to see <laughs> around the nation who's listening. No, seriously. He is a contributor. Very good one. We have several. In fact, quite a few contributors that contribute in content for the show, Also for our website, Kelly Nelson, Jeff Dover, several other writers that regularly you see their stories published here. We don't all think the same. Don't get it wrong. This is not a cookie cutter operation. We want different ideas. We want different opinions. In fact, you're welcome to share yours with us today. Toll free. We'll pay for the call. 1-866-378-7884, 1-866-378-7884, 1-866-378-7884, 1-866-378-7884, or 1-866-37-TRUTH. Anytime you want to ask a question, you want to voice an opinion, we welcome that. Remember, just because we think something's wrong doesn't make it wrong. And just because we think something's right, that alone Does it make it right? Getting information, filing it in your head and your heart, and making educated decisions about the important issues, that's what this show is all about. That's what Truth News Network is all about. So speaking of truths, the woke crowd, the group thinkers, the mob, they are doing their darndest to take over the nation and the minds and the psyches of our young people in this country. And I don't know a better place to address that than just to look at what's happening in our public school system. We hear all these stories. I mean, a court, I don't even remember if we touched on this yesterday. We had it. We may have run out of time before, but a court actually came out and they exonerated a man that self-identified as a woman and I'm it wasn't an old man it was it was somebody that was in school still school age and this guy no surgery done took off his clothes had all the biology of a man and gets in the shower with three girls charges were filed against him for indecent exposure and a judge exonerated him he got off. I shouldn't have said that term when I'm talking about that. (laughs) He was ruled innocent. I don't see how that happens, but it's happening and it's happening all around us. It doesn't matter what they told us to do. Remember, they beat into our brains every day. Follow the science, follow the science, follow the science. It got so heated Dr. Anthony Fauci, in a press briefing at the White House, he said, finally, I am the science. In other words, every word I say is the way it is. Of course, we know that isn't true. Interesting, a couple of days ago, I'm not even sure where this happens, it's a school board meeting. And, you know, in school board meetings now especially, there's a big deal where people go up to a microphone and they talk, give a speech, maybe ask questions or give their comments. And so I want to set this up, what you're about to hear. You're going to hear from a lady, and she's dressed looking like a cat, in a cat outfit, spotted gold. She's got the whiskers glued over her cat nose on her face, and she's got the cat ear sticking up. And she walks up to the podium to give a speech, a short one, but a very substantive one. Now that I set the stage for you, here she is.
3: And I am a cat. Meow, meow. I'm not a woman dressed as a cat. I am a cat. By show of hands, I'm curious, uh, how many of you believe and confess that I'm a cat? Great. I am. Um, by show of hands, I'm curious, how many of you believe that your child or a child from this school would believe that I'm actually a cat? No one, you are right, why? Because you are not stupid and these children are not stupid. Truth prevails over imagination, reality exists. Discernment is innate and something we are biologically wired to have. One look at me and you know this to be true, I am a woman posing as a cat. You may also think correctly that if I truly believe I'm a cat, I have a mental disorder. If I suffer from a mental disorder and if I'm unable to discern reality, am I safe to be around children? Would you put me in charge of making critical decisions about the safety and well-being of children and about the direction of their education when I cannot even discern truth from fiction? Confession, I'm not actually a cat, guys, just because I say I am. You've not agreed to or committed to addressing me as a cat simply because I demand it. No tail, whiskers, or outfit makes me a cat, just like no lipstick, high heels, or long hair makes him a man, a woman. It is just as biologically impossible for me to become a cat as it is for a man to be a woman. And you have one job as members of this school board and it's defined as this. School board members are responsible for broad, forward thinking, minute analysis and decisive action in all areas that affect students and staff in their schools. I ask you, do you believe that the actions of a grown man playing dress up as a woman affects the students and staff positively or negatively? A public school is not the place for social experiments in altered realities or gender ideologies. It is not the place to celebrate a grown man with a mental illness, dressing as a woman and teaching kids lies. Children come to school to learn facts and truths about reality, including unchanging biological truths about science and nature, not to learn that they can change biological realities and become anything they want in the name of diversity. What you're actually doing is worse than just lying to our kids. You're forcing them to be participants in your lie, in your charade. You're forcing them to deny what they see with their eyes and you're forcing them to speak lies. I ask you again, am I a cat? And if you say no, then the mindset must be aligned with your discernment across the board. By allowing a falsity to be displayed and paraded around the school, you teach children that truth is not existent, facts are not real, and biology is a lie. You fail at your job, your only job, by confusing children and teaching them untruths and to coddle a grown man playing dress up as a woman. If you were to address me as a cat right now, it's as ridiculous as when you say Miss Bixler and a grown man's voice comes thundering over the
1: Thank you.
0: Uh,
1: I think she hit the nail on the head. What do you think? I mean, that was pretty, pretty powerful, you gotta say. But it makes sense. Put it in the context of what you are living through right now, your children, you, all of us, what we're living through. We don't know how to address anybody. We don't know how to tell somebody about someone else trying to be honestly truthful to tell them about someone else. I don't know whether to call that someone else a man or a woman. I don't want to offend anybody when I talk to them about them. It's that difficult for you and I. Imagine what it does to our kids. And we're living in a world where they have normalized, the mob. I can't think of another term to use that's more applicable, the mob. They control everything. They take control of it. Who gives it to them? Nobody. They just grab it and act like they have the full authority. It gets worse than that. Maybe not worse. But another extreme is what is happening in California. California. California, do you know this? They actually have created an official reparations task force. And now that task force has gotten together and they've done a deep dive into facts and history. Here's what they say. They've estimated that black residents of the state, any black resident of the state, is owed $1.2 million each in compensation for the legacy of slavery. Now, wait a minute. What they don't want us to think about, you know, when California became a state, they came in as a free state. They entered the United States, entered the Union as a free state in 1850. So these people are guaranteeing African Americans that live in California, this state owes you $1.2 million. This committee was established by the legislature, signed into law by Gavin Newsom, the government, the governor, during the height of the Black Lives Matter panic in 2020. And they released an interim report last year backing reparations and proposing. Separate black schools, among other things. Now, I thought we did away with that back in uh, the early 70s, late 60s, early 70s, integration. They want to go back to segregation. I thought that was evil. I thought we were supposed to treat everybody equally and certainly not rely on racial ideology, which begins with skin color, right? This committee narrowly, very narrowly, decided that only those black residents who could trace their roots to southern slaves should be eligible for reparations. And by the way, it determined that all black residents continue to suffer today. In the San Francisco Chronicle, economists advising California's task force on reparations have at long last released an estimate of the damages caused by the state's history of slavery and its many vestiges of white supremacy, up to $1.2 million per black resident over a lifetime. How did they come up with this? Where did that $1.2 million number come from? <laughs> These lawmakers and the governor created this task force in 2020 And they told the members to study the history of slavery in California. There was no slavery in California. It was already done away with. Now, while the Golden State was admitted to the Union as a free state in 1850, historians are telling us slavery continued to be openly practiced for years by white Southerners, those evil white Southerners brought enslaved people to California and forced them to work in gold mines and on plantations. I'm in Louisiana. I know all about plantations. I didn't know California had any plantations. I'm not saying they didn't, but I never heard of any. Of course, gold mines, gold was discovered there. That was a really big deal and a great boon for the state of California. The economists that weighed in advising the members of this panel, which is almost entirely composed of black people, said that this estimate was, quote-unquote, conservative. Though they said it was not a recommendation on the final compensation amount. In other words, here's the deal. Woke. The mob. Automatically. It's assumed that this compensation is due. How do I know that? They said this. The estimate was conservative, though they said it was not a recommendation on the final compensation amount. In other words, we know. It's factual. It's owed. Something's owed. It may be more than that. But there definitely is money owed. I'd like to see them go to a court and try to prove try to come up with evidence that would prove that every black person in California is owed $1.2 million, or any amount for that matter. Now, of course, they got to come up and do some catch-all stuff to throw in there to justify even being owed. The estimate, they tell us, includes the damage caused not only by slavery, such as it was, but also... Mass incarceration, housing discrimination, health risks that are said to be worse among black residents. I thought everyone was created equal. Martin Luther King Jr., that was one of the tenets of what he preached, and he literally did preach it. He taught it. It's unclear how California would even afford to pay this. One estimate of the cost is... $800 billion, several times the size of the annual state budget, 100% of the budget. The chairman, chairperson, I'm not sure. There we go. Got to be correct. I don't know if it is a man or a woman, if they identify as being a man or a woman. I don't know. They call them now just the chair. The chair of the task force is backing a wealth tax. Now, here you go again. They're going to tax the wealthy. Who draws the line? Who considers what amount of annual income as a income for a wealthy person? Mob rule. Several other jurisdictions are thinking about this too. A few have even awarded reparations. Evanston, Illinois. And every one of these places... That are considering this, and even Illinois, they are all in states that outlawed slavery. Symbolism over substance. Truth doesn't matter. If we believe it, it's the truth. And if you don't believe that, you're not worthy of breathing the same air that we breathe. It's that nutty. I'm serious these people are justified somehow at least in their own minds but they're being confirmed as having legitimacy by the governor of california the state legislature in california and they're spending money taxpayers money just to investigate these
0: allegations It's a lot to take in, but when you need a refresher, it's all here. 24-7, 365. Every podcast, every blog. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance, and people love it. Of course,
2: they love the savings they're going to get with Geico, but it goes beyond that.
0: You deserve to save. (laughs) heard that before you deserve to save i know i need you to hear me you deserve to save i deserve to save i mean he has a way of making you feel seen bundle car and motorcycle insurance and save at geico.com
2: ready to take your jenga skills to the next level if you're an all-star at building towers and balancing blocks then build up the competition new in new jenga maker playing teams to finish first and claim the crown jenga and new jenga maker reach the top of your game each sold separately
3: at simply safe your safety is the only thing that matters we design smarter ways to detect motion for emergency dispatch in seconds we create hd cameras so you could see what's happening in your home from anywhere all powered by fast protect technology exclusively from simply safe for faster police response. Because in here, your safety is the only thing that matters. Advanced home security, 24 7 professional monitoring. There's no safe like Simply Safe.
0: CBS, NBC, ABC, MSNBC, CNN. An alphabet soup of lies, myths, and disinformation. For real nutrition, you need a full plate of truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. Well,
1: well, well, May the 2nd, my gosh, May the 2nd, what does that mean? First weekend in May, we have the Kentucky Derby, that's coming up this weekend at Churchill Downs. It's probably, at least maybe not in dollars, but in prestige and long-term acceptance of horses, really good thoroughbred horses, two and three-year-olds. Kentucky Derby's a big deal. And then the second week of May every year is Mother's Day. Let me, let me just give you a little advance notice. I know it's not this week and you've got another week next week, but don't wait to figure out what you're going to do for your mother, especially if mom's alive and uh, is cognizant and living with you, healthy or whatever, and your mom knows what's going on around her. And I say that because... We've just, as a family, gone through a period where the matriarch of our family passed away, but she was in a bad place regarding her cognizant ability for months and months and months, and it was really tough. I think about my wife, Marianne. It was her mother, Mamaw, and she lived to 97 And it wasn't until the last six months or so that she began to struggle with her cognizant abilities. We never know how long our moms are going to be with us. Don't take your mom for granted. Do something special for mom. Not this Sunday, but next Sunday. You know, we haven't talked much about Tucker Carlson the last couple of days. Tucker Carlson, of course, is gone. Number one rated show On Fox News, number one rated cable television show at that spot. No, 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 not that spot. Number one rated television show out of all cable news. Fox News fired Tucker Carlson. A lot of reasons for it and a lot of analysis after the fact. And I still, we still don't know all the facts. So I've kind of been a bit hesitant to weigh in on it. Really dig into it. But I heard something last night that really impressed me. Victor Davis Hanson, you hear him here every once in a while. We actually publish some of his stories from time to time at truthnewsnet.org. But he weighed in yesterday about not Tucker leaving and why he left, but is Fox going to be able to replace him and replace him? you got to remember this, when they replace him or try to, They're going to find somebody out there that can bring them in $78 million in one year for that one-hour show that they would do. That's how much Tucker brought into Fox News, just his show in 2022, $78 million. That's a lot of money, especially for one guy and only for five hours a week. Victor Davis Hanson, he weighed in on it. Now, this guy, he's a thinker. He's at the Hoover Institute out in California, Stanford. One of those guys that when you hear him talk, you just kind of go, man, how did he come up with that? Here's Victor David Hanson.
5: I don't think that there was a serious serious cause to fire him other than an emotional one. Because if you look at all the hosts and all the guests, may have contributed to the settlement to Dominion, he was one of the few who said, I'm not putting Sidney Powell on here anymore. I don't want to hear anything unless you can back it up with data. Within 48 hours, he had dropped any notion that the rumors about inaccuracies or misinformation on these voting machines was viable. So it wasn't that, but it was criticism of the corporate elite. And I think at the very top of the Murdoch family, they had just settled. They didn't want to go all the way down to Delaware. Uh, they they saw this. They felt that it was a betrayal. And then in a the heat of passion over the weekend, they fired him. And I think before they fired him, they thought, Fox is bigger than any one anchor. We fired Bill O'Reilly. And guess what? Tucker showed up. And he has the same size audience or bigger and then we, got, we let Megan Kelly go to NBC, and we brought in Laura Ingram, and we restored, we stopped that bleeding. And we can do that because people tune into us because the brand, I don't think they understand that it's, it's not quite like that. It's cumulative. It's like a cut, a cut, a cut, and each one magnifies the prior one. So when you get rid of Bill O'Reilly and you get rid of Megan Kelly and you call Georgia too early, I mean uh, Arizona too early, and you go up and down, and Newsmax and competitors creep in and grab your audience. They've lost over $800 million in stock. Newsmax has doubled its audience. That 8 to 9 key Eastern time slot has lost about a million viewers like that. Brian Kilmeade, who's taken his place, is a pretty good newscaster. So I'm not sure they can find somebody like that to come in a, that is funny and affable and knowledgeable, but B, and more importantly, Paul Ryan is on the board or on the board of News Corp, and News Corp owns the Wall Street Journal, so it is the epitome of doctrinaire conservatism. But doctrinaire conservatism is is not what conservatism is now. The Romneyites. And so they needed Tucker Carlson to appeal to the new Republican Party. And so what what do I mean by that? He was talking about the absurdity of woke. And I don't know where you find somebody like that who has the ability to articulate those positions but is not crazy. Especially Tucker is one, came from one of the wealthiest families in California. He was an aristocrat. His grandfather and family were Miller Lux, which was the biggest landowner in California in the 19th century on his mother's side. He was Swanson Food Company. He went to prep school. So for him, brought up like that as an aristocrat, to become a populist and yet know how the aristocratic mind works is very unusual. And Bill O'Reilly had certain gifts because he came out of kind of a tabloid journalism background and he understood the earthiness of the news and the audience that Fox won. And so what, what I'm getting at is that Tucker was able to stop the hemorrhaging from uh, One American News or Newsmax or all of the other right rivals. They said, why go to those guys when you have somebody who's more responsible and learned but still can appeal in the same topics? And so I don't know where they get that person, and I think that in the immediate week it it shows. But just to sum up, Fox was trying to tell everybody, and they let Dan Dan Bongino go. There's rumors that maybe Judge Jean, uh, Judge Dean or maybe Maria Bartoloma, all of these people are telling them you're vulnerable. There's nobody bigger than the Murdochs and, and News Corp. If you go on the news and you say things and it puts us in legal jeopardy or you talk about us personally, we're going to fire you. And we fired the, the unfireable Tucker Carlson. If you think you're better than Tucker Carlson, try it. And so that's... That's the message, I think, and I don't know what is in store for Tucker, but all of that said, when you look at someone like Joe Rogan or Ben Shapiro or what Megyn Kelly's done with her streaming, all of these people have divorced themselves from, they don't go on Fox, they don't go on television, and yet in terms of reach and profit, they're far more successful. So I think even though Tucker was supposedly getting two more years at $20 million a year. Given his appeal and talents, he could probably make more than that with his own venue. Now, that wasn't true 20 years ago. 10, it wasn't true five years ago. But we've so fragmented the media business. You and I are talking right now. We don't have to go on television to do that. You don't have to be with the BBC. And I think that's the one of the messages. The Murdochs are not quite... They're not quite... Understanding that when you take away somebody who had a greater potential elsewhere and was a precious asset that anchored your whole evening lineup and you fired him in a fit of pick or anger without thinking it through, you got to be very careful because you're not going to be able to replace the guy like that. That's the impact on Fox News. But just very briefly, can you describe the impact on the wider conservative movement? Because as you said, Tucker Carlson was able to push certain boundaries of acceptability. um, And he's he's no longer able to do that on such a wide mainstream platform. Yeah, he, he might get a podcast or he may set up his own thing. But I, I'm guessing that that will have less impact on the ordinary, non-political, apolitical American voter who might have just switched into Fox News at 8 p.m. on a, you know, on a weekday um, than the more active Republicans who are going to go out and search for Tucker on YouTube anyway, if you see what I mean. Well, certainly the left would bel- agree with what you're saying. They're in celebration now. AOC and people are saying things like, we don't believe in cancel culture, but we got him canceled. That's what they're saying. They're, they think they took him down. They criticize him every day. They said he was a racist. They said he was a transphobe, a homophobe, and they think that eventually they got, uh, for that slot, should have been making hundreds of millions of dollars in advertising, but they were able to cut his revenues by 30 or 40 percent by boycotts, pressuring corporations that they were going to boycott them if they bought time, and they feel that that's a paradigm that now is successful, and they're going to use it. But, I don't think it's going to restrict, uh, what we're talking about is on a good night, Tucker got three and a half million viewers and that's pretty good. That was almost like a free, uh, you can go on network news for free and get about 4 million on one of the nightly news. And some nights he had four and 5 million. And so he was basically telling America, you're going to pay a lot of money on a cable subscription and yet more of you are going to watch me than what's free on NBC or CBS. That was an unusual development. But that said, when you look at that audience, it's not that big. And, uh, and so there are all of these other venues. Are those venues affected by this? I think that's your question. Does, does Joe Rogan say, oh, my God, I've I got to be careful? Or does Dinesh D'Souza or Ben Shapiro say we can't do that? Or is the Daily Wire, the Daily Caller, do they say that? Does the people on Substack, do they say we better pull? No, not at all. In fact, I think they're going to be just the opposite. They feel, wow, there's a big vacuum now. There's a three and a half person, million audience, and we're going to go after it. I think that's the point. Newsmax and Glenn Beck, Newsmax, they're all trying to say, ah, we're the place where we don't censor you. But I don't think there's anybody in the conservative movement that's saying, maybe the never-Trumpers, but, well, I'm glad he got what he— Howard Stern, you know, I'm glad he got what he could want, but nobody else. A lot of people are very angry about it.
1: People are really upset still about Tucker Levy. And Victor Davis Hanson, you, you heard—now, this was a couple of days ago. Um, you heard him talk about the numbers and the dollars and cents that just evaporated— And it was strictly because the Murdochs, the two Murdochs, Laughlin and James, that run Fox News for their dad, Rupert Murdoch, they decided we don't want Tucker Carlson around. We don't like the fact that he attacks anybody. We want to be nice. We want to have nice people on the air. I get that. And because they own it, they have that right. They can make a decision. Sometimes decisions anybody makes are bad, but you never know really what the outcome is going to be until you make that decision. And so they're looking for somebody now. They've got Lawrence Jones on, who I like a lot. Lawrence is uh, a very athletic guy, African-American guy. He's from Texas. When I say athletic, he's tall. He's very tall, and he's good on the air. But he's not Tucker Carlson. Let me tell you something that happens in a lot of situations in jobs. It's not just in media. It happens sometimes in media, but it's not just there. It's in jobs. When you have somebody in a specific spot that does a really good job and does it for a long time, in media, it's much more obvious because they're obviously, in this case, on television every night. And Americans... They make you part of their lives by tuning in every night if you're a fan, every day if you're a fan. And that makes you something special for them. If you leave that job and somebody else comes in, you're going to compare. Human nature, is it says, Whoever replaces this person that you really liked, you're going to compare what they do and how they do it and what you think about them to how you felt about the one, the person that was there before that was so good. I'll give you an example. I'm in Shreveport, Louisiana, not a big city, not a tiny one either, not a town, but a small city in Northwest Louisiana years ago when AM radio was king, this is back in the Late 60s and early 70s, top 40 music. That was rock and roll back then. The number one top 40 disc jockey in the nation was a guy named Larry Ryan. And he did the morning show at KEEL Radio, KEEL Radio, AM710 KEEL. That was the way they, one of the slug lines they use in promos. And everybody in American radio knew him. This didn't have satellites back then. I mean, if you if you did a radio show, you did a radio show, and it covered the audience that could hear you live. You didn't have any way to go back and get that kind of stuff. And somebody may be listening to me now saying, oh, my gosh, I didn't know there was ever a time when we didn't have that ability. Yeah, and so being number one was a really big deal. Well, Larry decided to leave Kiel Radio and buy a small radio station. A guy was the general manager at Kiel Radio, was a good friend of mine. In fact, I worked for him at another radio station years later. Billy Wilson, probably one of the smartest operator marketers that I knew. And so he knew whoever replaced Larry Lyon on Kiel Radio in the morning show was not going to be successful because every listener was going to compare the job that this guy did with the job that Larry Ryan did. So he went and found the guy that he wanted to replace Larry Ryan with, but he didn't start the guy for about three months after Larry left. And he put a guy, he actually introduced a guy to the morning audience that nobody knew at the time, but this guy was just going to be a 90-day or so fill-in. Because Larry knew whoever fought, excuse me, Billy Wilson knew whoever followed Larry Ryan immediately was going to fail. People would not accept them. And that's exactly what happened. And so the guy that he went out and sought and decided he wanted him to come, 90 days later he brings him in. And this guy became an instant success. He appealed to the same audience as Larry Ryan. He was different. He didn't do everything the same way. But there was a buffer in between. Victor Davis Hanson talking about Tucker Carlson at Fox News. It's going to be hard for anybody. Lawrence Jones, Brian Kilmeade did those shows last week on an interim basis. Brian Kilmeade from uh, The Morning Show at Fox. And he's good. He relates well to an audience, but he's known as being in his slot doing mornings at Fox and Friends. So they put themselves in a really tough situation. And I know this was a lengthy explanation, but I can't tell you how often I am asked, what do you think about Fox firing Tucker? And I have a simple answer. It's a major corporation. It's a multi-million, maybe even multi-billion dollar corporation. Corporation, The people that own it, they have a right to do whatever they want to do with it. Now, it's publicly traded, but they control, they have controlling interests, the Murdoch family. And so they have the right to do whatever they want. They can have on their television station, their cable station, whoever that they want to have doing whatever they want to program. I will say this. It's going to be a tough tough row for them to hoe to replace somebody like Tucker Carlson to get the same kind of results that Tucker got but as Victor he very succinctly explained they fired they fired several people Megyn Kelly a beautiful lawyer who spoke well they fired her Bill O'Reilly he was very successful They fired Bill. They did okay. Fox did. After those people left, that's just one of those things. They found the right person. One of them was Tucker Carlson, replaced Bill O'Reilly. The other one was Laura Ingram, and she replaced Kelly, Megan Kelly. So there is a way to do it. But everybody's asking the question. Where is Tucker going to go? That's up in the air. Joe Rogan, by the way, you heard Victor Davis Hansen talk a little bit about Joe Rogan. He's the number one podcaster on earth. He does his show every day on YouTube, and it is massive. Typically, he'll have 12 million people tune in, and he's making tens of millions of dollars, and he's his own boss. Is Tucker going to go that route? I don't know. Just getting you to think about a few things. I want to mention for everybody here that's here now looking for Steve Baker, who comes every Tuesday and joins us in our second hour. He's traveling today. He's got some special things going on. He will be with us tomorrow in our second hour from 10 to 11. That's central time, by the way. And uh, he's going to be in studio. I'm looking forward. I like it when he comes here because we get to share some things and. Things are a little different when you talk to somebody. When somebody's on the phone, it's almost like you talk at somebody. Talking to somebody, it's always more personable. So he'll be here tomorrow morning, Steve Baker, and I know you will be too. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda.
0: Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is oh, that thing? It's
3: me, Linda. Oh, my God,
0: it talks. Right! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, They're one of my eyes. Quit moving.
1: It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's
0: never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Join the Truth News Net army of the informed. Be on the cutting edge when a new story is posted at TNN. Sign up at the homepage of truthnewsnet.org. We never share, we never sell your email. The only thing we're selling is the truth. Join the TNN family today. We're growing from Bangor, Maine to Saigon, from Berlin to Moscow, from Rio Linda to Krakow, Poland, from Sevilla, Spain to McAllen, Texas, and Caribou Landing, Canada, from Salzburg, Zurich, and Milan to Shreveport, Louisiana, and all points in between. TNN has been named the single most important source of conservative American political news by the University of Moscow. It's regularly heard in Washington, D.C., and every major Major capital on every continent. Be part of this mass migration from propaganda to truth. Sign up today. Thanks for being a part of our worldwide family. TNN TN.
1: TruthNewsNet.org.
0: Come in for workout, here. Leave feeling empowered. Come in for snack time. Leave more fulfilled because when you shop at Target, you leave with what you value most, like healthy foods for your family and brands that lift our communities. At Target, the things that matter are always within reach. What we value most shouldn't cost more.
1: My kind of music, smooth jazz, but it's a little jazz and maybe not quite so smooth there. That's a cover of Chaka Khan's song, one of hers. Anyway, back to business as usual, the Biden administration. Well, everybody kind of held their collective breath waiting for Joe Biden to respond to Kevin McCarthy, the House Speaker, regarding that debt deal that the House passed last week to extend our debt limit so that we don't default on our debt our secretary of treasury announced that we're looking at being in trouble at the end of this month we don't come up with the ability to raise our debt biden's been saying from the beginning i'm not going to negotiate we want a clean debt limit bill in other words you just give us a blank check and we'll go spend it how we need to do And House Republicans said, nope, we're not going to do that. You're not going to go spend us into oblivion like you have been your first couple of years as president, Mr. Biden. That's what you've done. We're not going to let you do that. And, of course, after that bill was passed by the House last week, he bowed up again. But guess what? He has now asked the GOP to meet with him. they got to get it done, according to the, the White House, before June the 1st. It's crunch time. Biden yesterday called the speaker and even some other congressional leaders and he called them to invite them to a May 9th White House meeting to figure out this debt limit thing as Janet Yellen says that that deadline for potential default now she's pegging it at June 1st. Biden reached out to McCarthy who was traveling abroad. He was in Israel has been goading Biden to negotiate, as well as Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, and House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries included in that bunch, and all of them have been kind of unavailable until now. Biden's ask for everybody to come to the White House comes after he for months said, Congress has an obligation to raise the debt ceiling with no conditions. And he points to decades of precedent and nothing that the debt has been accrued over hundreds of years and reflects spending the government has already approved. The GOP, meanwhile, they're using the debt ceiling as leverage. Leverage as they're looking to get some significant cuts in government spending programs. Here's what the president said Monday. For over 200 years, America has never, ever, ever failed to pay its debt. And he said this at an event yesterday at the White House. To put in colloquial terms, America is not a deadbeat nation. We've never, ever failed to meet the debt. We pay our bills. We should do so without reckless hostage taking from some of the MAGA Republicans in Congress. There you go. The great uniter. I want to be the president of all Americans. Not just the president of Democrats. I want to be the president of Republicans and Democrats and everybody else. I'm the great uniter. Unless, of course, he's referencing somebody who disagrees with him. (laughs) Like his term, the MAGA Republicans. The pair, McCarthy and Biden, have not talked at length about the debt ceiling or government spending since McCarthy visited the White House February 1st. But after Yellen told everybody they have one month before the drop-dead date for defaulting on the nation's available resources to pay our bills, as we said, estimated now to be June 1, Biden's changing his tune, but only so far as to meet with them these congressional leaders. Some of his folks at the White House yesterday, they changed, insisting that Biden has no plans to drop his demand for a clean debt ceiling increase. In a very high-pressure letter that was sent yesterday while the House was not in session, Yellen said her department estimates The U.S. is going to be unable to pay its outstanding obligations beyond June 1 unless Congress approves new Treasury borrowing power. So, considering revenues that were put together after the tax filing season concluded in April, Yellen said the X date is expected to get here more rapidly than earlier projections. Just last week, Goldman Sachs, anticipating the Treasury's updated timeline, said the X date was not expected before the end of July. Who cares? Who cares? It just boils down to this. They've got to take control of our spending, they being our government. And let me just throw out a concept and an idea We, the people, need to get involved in the budgeting process. We, the people, we're supposed to be now. After all, we choose those who go to Washington to represent us in everything, including how we're going to spend our money. What bills are we going to pay? Why are we paying these bills? Why have we done the things that force us to pay these bills? All of those things rolled in. Do you think the 535 members in Congress, that's adding together 435 in the House, 100 in the Senate, and then you throw in all of the White House administration folks. Do you think they have the ability to come up with, at least at the end of the year, having no money in the bank, but not knowing any more money than we did before we started that year? I don't think they're all stupid. I think they're all political. And I believe that, is what causes the problem that we're facing right now. And it just spreads across the nation. It impacts everything that we have going on in our lives. I mean everything. You can't think of a single thing. Going to the grocery store, going to the gas station, buying your kids clothes, ordering anything. Are you an Amazon geek? Do you ever order from Amazon? Everything is more expensive. Why? Because our government keeps borrowing more money than they get in income tax revenue. And by the way, the money they get in income tax revenue, it's bigger this year. Money that's come in this year than ever before. Last year, it was bigger than ever before. And so what does that mean? They don't balance a checkbook. They don't give a rip about that. They want you to give them a blank credit card with no spending limit. McCarthy, last week, he had to pull out all the stops to get a debt ceiling bill through the House, and it wasn't easy. He had to twist arms, botify language, cut some last-minute deals with Republicans that were skeptical to even get a package to send to the Senate, and it happened with the narrowest of margins. But you know what? That might be the easy part. The next step, crafting a bill that starts with the one the House passed. Got to get it over through the Senate, get them to come up with something. But finding one that can get support from House Republicans and President Biden. And do so now, we're told, by June one. It's a challenge that's going to test McCarthy's ability to work across the aisle. He's going to have to get some Democrats to join in, to whatever they come up with. they got to keep the confidence of conservatives who expect McCarthy to hold a hard line on federal spending and deficit reduction. And in the middle of all of this, that great Inflation Reduction Act that Democrats passed and shoved it down our throats as conservatives— Oh, that's going to reduce our our debt. It's going to reduce our dependency on borrowed money. All of, it's going to reduce inflation. It's going to make everything go down. And then the CBO comes out and tells us, "Oh no, 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 no! They they marked it up. What it's going to be is another trillion dollars added to our deficit over the next ten years." You know, what is a deficit for the government? That's where you spend more than you have coming in. For House Republicans, they passed a debt ceiling package. That was the opening bid and the effort to come up with a debt ceiling agreement. And it marked a hard-fought victory for McCarthy and others in leadership in the House They spent the better part of a week scrambling to convince Republican holdouts to even back the bill. It went through the House Wednesday, 217 to 215. Four Republican defections, and they couldn't handle one more. That would have failed. The vote lends Republicans some leverage, but not big leverage, in the debt ceiling fight. How so? Removing the Democrats' argument that Republican leaders have no plan to tackle deficit spending. But exactly how much leverage? That's still a question. Biden's demanding a clean hike. He hadn't budged from that position yet. He just asked McCarthy to come meet with him. Finally. Waited till yesterday. The Republican proposal is dead on arrival in the Senate, we're told, where legislation to increase the borrowing cap to stop a default is going to require bipartisan buy-in, and it'll look very different if and when it returns to the House. Some lawmakers in both parties are anticipating Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, who's worked with Biden on some other high-stakes budget deals in the past is going to step off the sidelines, finally, go figure, The minority leader is finally going to do something. He's been on the sidelines, and he'll probably get into the fray and negotiate some bipartisan debt limit compromise that would originate in the Senate. They don't want to even deal with the one that came across from the House. These dynamics probably going to present McCarthy with a dilemma unique to his new House control. Congress, where conservatives are dead set against any effort to water down their deficit reduction demands and any one of them can launch a vote of no confidence against the Speaker. Remember that? It'll be more difficult and therein lies the problem because both sides created a problem. That's coming from Representative Nancy Mace, a Republican from South Carolina, who opposed this initial House bill until McCarthy promised to work with her on longer-term efforts to cut away the nation's $31.4 trillion debt. And it's not just her for the speaker. This is going to come from a bunch of different areas. Obviously, McCarthy's facing pressure from Republicans' conservative right to preserve the $4.8 trillion in deficit reduction included in the House debt limit proposal, while Biden... He's coming at it full throttle from the left. He says he's not going to negotiate on the debt limit at all. Instead, he wants to do away with the threat of default as a standalone issue and reserve discussions about deficit reduction for a separate debate on future government funding, which will demand some action before October 1st. You know, why make a decision today? Why work? with each other today. Why can't we just put it off, kick the cow down the road some more? Yeah, let's just not talk about it now. Let's just give me that blank check. Sign it and give it to me. I'll spend what I need to spend to pay the bills that I'm the one that's responsible for making those bills. And yeah, (laughs) I hate to tell you, but we spent more than we thought we did. And we spent more than we told you we were going to. But that's okay, we'll make it up later. That's exactly what the thinking is. Who the heck, who the heck got into this thing and told and convinced these lawmakers that what they're doing or what they're not doing is okay? It's acceptable. It's not. You and I are the ones that are on the receiving end of all the good and the bad any good that comes out of whatever they do. But of late, it seems like more bad stuff comes out than good stuff that comes out. And it's time for things to change there. I want to switch gears. No, let's do one more thing. Let me tell you about something that's going on in our offshore oil and gas production. You know, Joe Biden came back and said, hey, he enraged detractors on the left that want all fossil fuel exploration and, and development to stop, he came back and said, well, we're going we're gonna to do something. We're going to push into some offshore oil and gas leases. And it seems now we're finding out that was pontification, no intention to push through with getting it done. The Department of Interior reauthorization of a five-year national Outer Continental Shelf Oil and Gas Leasing Program. It was already supposed to be been finalized. It's months overdue. And a lot of people are saying, you know what, we don't think it's going to happen. The update to the 2017 through 2022 Federal Offshore Leasing Program, it was required by law to be done, agreed to, and implemented in June a year ago. But the Department of Interior citing pending litigation, well, they just kind of blew right through the deadline. In March, two months ago, Department of Interior said its final reauthorization is going to be ready in September, this fall, and they're going to implement it likely in December when any time you have something like this happen and it has to go through a 60-day public comment and review period, so that pushes it into December. And there were nearly already 800,000 comments on this plan that had been lodged, 800,000 in April. Until then, there's no system in place to orchestrate any oil and gas lease sales anywhere offshore in U.S. waters. Even once reauthorized after what will likely be an 18-month suspension, it could be another 18 months of permitting and environmental reviews before the lease is secured under the new program can even begin to be worked. In other words, no drilling rigs, probably for three years. And this didn't happen just by accident. Critics say that Federal agencies are pushing Joe Biden's green energy initiatives at the expense of oil and gas development, and they're promoting wind energy leases offshore, while the oil and gas leasing program remains lost at sea. So some Republicans and even some Democrats say, wait a minute, in a March statement, Senate Energy Committee Chair Joe Manchin, Democrat from West Virginia, He said that by enabling this delay, the Department of Interior made it painfully clear again that they're putting their radical climate agenda ahead of our nation's energy security, and they're willing to go to great lengths to do that. Implementing the leasing plan 18 months late could not have happened unless the Biden administration allowed it to happen. Now, this is according to Senator Manchin. He said, this is the first time in our nation's history we haven't had a five-year leasing program released before the old plan expired. Every other administration, Democrat and Republican, has managed to follow the law in a timely fashion. I wanted to get to that sentence in this story to make it clear to you. Joe Biden, as president, every person in authority in his administration doesn't give a rip about law. Laws on the book, the rule of law, the structure of legally operating a nation. They blow through it every day with no regard. And none of them, including the president, none of them are held accountable. Now just for a moment, let's replace Joe Biden with Donald Trump, just for a second. Donald Trump's president. And this same thing comes up. And Donald Trump, he's the one that promised we were going to get into and renew this offshore oil lease program that statutorily has got to be done. And we've got to get it done by a certain date. And it just so happens somebody like Joe Manchin is the one that pushed it through. Democrat, but there keeps coming from the Trump White House delays, pushing it off, pushing it off, pushing it off. What would happen? He'd be impeached. Have you heard any Democrat besides maybe Joe Manchin saying anything about it? You hadn't heard anything about it, most likely, until today. Last month and back in March, budget hearings before the House and Senate panels, the Department of Interior Secretary, she's a strange person to me, Deb Hallen, an agency chiefs responsible for this offshore oil and gas development policy. They were in committee hearings and they were grilled about the delay and about all of the pieces of the draft reauthorization that was published in July. The late plan is causing an unprecedented gap in lease sales, and that puts American jobs and revenue at risk. Nobody's talking about that, but that's a fact. There is no way around it, and it's been mentioned in several hearings. In fact, the chairman of the House Natural Resources Committee, Energy and Mineral Resources Subcommittee, Pete Stauber, a Republican from Minnesota, He's all over this. He said, without a timely plan, investment and development will stagnate, jeopardizing future production. House Natural Resources Committee Chairman Representative Bruce Westerman, a Republican from Arkansas, in a hearing in April, he told Allen that since the Department of Interior has failed to follow the law already, he doesn't trust that it will have a final reauthorization ready this year. Reason for talking about this is simple. They're not going to do it. This is a way that they can talk a good game without playing the game at all. Substance means nothing to them. They are all in on pushing green energy in every form that they can come up with, except nuclear, which is the most climate free energy source we have nuclear energy they don't want it oh my gosh and it's all over europe and europe and their energy stuff over there they're blowing and going getting better and better all the time but us those same climate change freaks that group think they only want it in two ways wind wind and what else Electric. That's it. And neither one of those will fill the need in our nation for our energy requirements. We have no transition plan. They come up with this stuff. They pull things out of the air every day. News and information. I told you yesterday, Ford Motor Company, they're stopping building and selling any sedans Only thing they're going to be building going forward are SUVs or crossover SUVs, period. Why? Because those chassis make it easier to come up with and have placement spots for these electric batteries to power these electric cars. Forget about the fact that those batteries, like your batteries on your flashlight, they wear out. Nobody wants to talk about the cost of replacing these car batteries and how long the batteries will last. We gave you a list that automakers have published now. The cheapest replacement of a car battery, electric car battery, not the kind you have in your uh, under your hood right now, a battery that's necessary to start your car, no to run your car. Cheapest one we found was 12 grand. Now think about that. <laughs> You buy an electric car, hey, it's going to be green energy, efficient. Oh, we're going to save the climate. You pay more for the car. You're going to pay more to run it because it's going to cost you more. It's going to take you longer to drive because you have to stop every two or 300 miles and spend an hour or two recharging your car instead of pulling up at the gas station, spending 10 minutes, and 10 minutes means you go inside and grab a soda and a bag of chips and still have it done. It's stupid to throw something out there and then sell it after you throw it out there as, oh, we got to do this, we got to do this. And now, you watch, they're going to segue into this. Well, it may be more expensive to do this electric car thing, but it's going to be climate-friendly. And besides that, We can't turn back to fossil fuel because all those companies have moved on to doing other things because there's no demand. We stopped the demand for fossil fuels, so we're just going to have to push forward with it. Bankrupt the nation. I don't know that that's a discussion that's been had and that it has credibility that it might be real, but I don't know that it hasn't happened either. And just thinking about that as a possibility makes it more credible to me that there may be some reason, something going on. Could it have anything to do with the Biden family syndicates top to bottom, wide, all the way you can imagine to China where these batteries are being made, these cars are being made, Ford Lincoln Mercury. They're now introducing their big new crossover. I'm sorry, it's not a crossover, it's an SUV. Very first ones being made totally in China and sent to the U.S. to sell. Just when you think you can't hear about anything more stupid than where we are right now, that you hear about this something even more stupid than you thought we could ever have
0: the verdict is in Atlanta, Atlanta. judge steve harvey is a hilariously good time what do you think she spent the money on life and a butt job you got as long as you need to respond to that judge steve harvey new tuesday on abc
5: genuine ford parts and service presents a word from your wallet you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in Uh, 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 the Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today.
0: Raid shadow legends. I mean, (laughs) you pick your champions. They're glorious. And their shields, oh, they glisten like... uh wet otters but the bad guys they're Lovecraftian, they're spooky they're um, um, big. And then you go to battle and it's like and finally your foe is vanquished and that satisfaction is such a primal feeling Ooh, Download Rage Shadow Legends Play for free
2: Ready to take your Jenga skills to the next level? If you are an all-star at building towers and balancing blocks then build up the competition in new Jenga Maker. Play in teams to finish first and claim the crown jenga and new jenga maker reach the top of your game each sold separately
0: the speaker of the house lies the media swear to it the president of the senate obstructs the media are all over the place but totally divorced from the truth so let's get back to navigating this stygian river with again dan newman
1: leaders leaders boy we need some more leaders don't we Well, let's look back over the past few years at some of our greatest leaders through our pandemic and our lockdowns. Have you forgot about those yet? I know you probably have tried. How many lives were permanently altered during that period? How many children's lives were permanently altered during those lockdowns? Well, guess what's going on? Some of the leading voices that were behind our COVID pandemic lockdowns. They're now looking to memory hold the role that they played personally in bringing our lives across the nation to a screeching woe. For months and months and months, various journalists, politicians, scientists too, they have softened their positions on COVID-19 lockdowns. Some cases they admit that what they advocated for was excessive maybe downplaying the actions they actually did to stop the spread of the virus. How many times did you hear that? Two names in particular, Dr. Fauci, King Fauci, Science Fauci, and Randy Weingarten, head of the second largest national teacher school union. Those two stand out for what they attempted to deceive the public with on just what role they played in shutting down the pandemic. Oh my gosh, you remember both of them out there screaming and hollering, we can't have these kids going back to school. We can't have people integrating in close and large crowds anymore. We've got to stay home. Fauci was the top coronavirus advisor to both President Trump and Joe Biden. He led during it all the most influential agency in the Health and Human Services Department when it comes to infectious diseases. As he reminded us, he is science. You got to follow the science. He was quite possible the most visible man in media for commentary on anything and everything to do with the COVID pandemic. From there, he took very clear stances for the vast majority of the pandemic. He knew everything, he told us everything. People should wear masks. Politicians should be wary of lifting mask mandates. People should get vaccinated. And requirements to get vaccinated make sense in most every context. Businesses and schools should be restricted in certain situations where COVID cases and deaths reach certain levels. What certain levels? Well, I'll tell you when it's time. (laughs) Last week, Fauci... He did a sit-down interview with the New York Times, and he said in that interview that he bore no direct responsibility for COVID-19 lockdowns. Here's what he said. Show me a school that I shut down, and show me a factory that I shut down. Never. I never did, he said. Well, he didn't have the power to literally shut things down in almost every case, but In the early days of the pandemic, many political leaders and institutions of all kinds that did have the power to shut things down, what are they going to do? They're going to turn to the experts. We were told, you've got to go to the experts. That's exactly how Fauci got up on that stage. Nancy Pelosi, then House Speaker, Chuck Schumer, Majority Leader in the Senate, they demanded President Trump go get the expert of infectious diseases and let him be the voice of all advice given to the American people about how to handle COVID-19. That's how Fauci got there. Agencies like the CDC, these are the people that are supposed to do this. In essence, the word of Fauci and the CDC, that became the guiding principle for everything to do with lockdowns. Fauci acknowledged as much in the same New York Times interview, and he said this. I gave a public health recommendation that echoed the CDC's recommendation, and people made a decision based on that. So we looked at it from a purely public health standpoint. It was for other people to make broader assessments, people whose positions include but aren't exclusively about public health. So in a bunch of different cases, those broader assessments, they were just kind of pushed to the side to make way for the word of the public health establishment. Example, then-White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. She went nuts on leaders of eight states that did not require masking of everybody in schools when the CDC guidance called for it. As for Randy Weingarten, her role in shutdowns, was far more direct than even Fauci's in shutting down schools in particular. She's still today the head of America's second-largest teachers union, the American Federation of Teachers. She directly led fights against schools reopening, and that kept millions of kids at home. Even after working directly with the CDC to develop reopening guidelines for schools during the pandemic, Weingarten called reopenings reckless and unsafe, her words, reckless and unsafe. She said in 2021 that Republican Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' insistence on reopening would kill millions of people, her word, millions of people. Her teachers refused to work in cities like Los Angeles and Chicago until COVID measures were satisfied to the point that even Democrats like Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot directed their ire toward her. The union needed to work with us, and they never did that, Mayor Lightfoot said. Of course, she gets everything right. Former mayor, I should say. She's gone now. Weingarten, at the same time, said last week that parents not only supported what her and her union did in keeping schools closed, but also, that they did everything possible to get schools back open as soon as possible. As Mayor Lightfoot responded, that wasn't reality in cities like Los Angeles and Chicago. So, here's some facts. The increasing scientific evidence is now public, it shows the detrimental mental health effects that these lockdowns caused and the learning loss sustained by students during their remote learning. That may be one reason the individuals at the tip of the spear of lockdowns are backtracking now. They're wanting us to believe what we say now. Don't look at what we did then. The effort to rewrite the history is as frantic as it is desperate. They're trying to create cover, get a passing grade, avoid being held accountable. The big problem they all face is with facts and all of the lived experiences of millions of Americans, everyone who went through these three years of hell, perpetrated, initiated, and continued by the so-called experts at the top of the heap. It's sad, but listen, I mean, people are dead today because of decisions that they made based upon these so-called experts. Seriously, that's verifiable. Good leaders always make decisions and make decisions on the best facts they have in front of them, and when the facts they have in front of them, maybe they misinterpret or they misread, and they make decisions and get other people that work with them, below them, or part of whatever they're running. Like, you know, the White House press room every day, introduced as the God of COVID 19 and everything to do with it, like Anthony Fauci. He told us things to do and things not to do. He reversed almost every one of them at one point or another. Who are you going to believe then? Well, a lot of Americans never believed it, couldn't believe it, didn't trust, and therefore didn't make some of the bad decisions. But people are dead today. A lot of people are dead today because of Weingarten. I'm talking about kids and her situation and everybody else, including kids, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Elon Musk got into it with Bill Maher about free speech. Elon Musk, the owner now of Twitter, SpaceX, Tesla, he's quite a guy. Bill Maher has kind of softened his stance. He's always been a hardcore leftist, but coming through the pandemic and watching what the left did to America, and then on this side of it, they got into it, I guess this was over the weekend, about free speech.
4: It's bizarre that we've come to this point where, um, like, free speech used to be uh, a left or liberal value. Uh, And and yet, we we see uh, from, you know, the in quotes left, uh, a a desire to actually censor. Um, And uh, that that seems crazy. I mean, I I think we should be extremely concerned about anything that uh, undermines the First Amendment. There's a reason for the First Amendment. Um, The First Amendment is because people came from countries where they could not speak freely and where where saying certain things would get you thrown into prison. And they were like, well, we don't want that here. And by the way, in many parts of the world, including parts of the world that people might think are relatively similar to the United States, the the, the speech laws are draconian. England is quite different. I won't name any countries, but...
0: (laughs) England. Why, <laughs> why, why are we protecting them? They have no First Amendment.
4: <laughs> it's, it's very I, easy to prove I, libel in England, whereas I, here it's I, almost... I love to, England. Um, but, yeah, you too, <laughs>
0: but, but I, I wouldn't want to say the wrong thing. or uh, Yes. You, 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 you could be sued easier. There, I mean, there are laws... In, in France, I think if you deny the Holocaust, which I think is abhorrent, but I also think it should be part of free speech, right. you can be thrown
4: into jail. Okay, so this... Mo- I, I really can't emphasize this enough. We, we must... Uh, uh, we must protect free speech. Um, and free speech only matters, it's only relevant when it's someone you don't like saying something you don't like. Because obviously, <laughs> the speech that you like is uh, yes. you know, that's easy. Um, so it, it's, uh, and it's, the thing about censorship is that, sure, for, for those who would advocate it, um, just remember at some point that will be turned on you.
1: So, what's the definition of free speech? Free speech, First Amendment. It's always been described when somebody says, can you give me an example so I can understand it? It's always been described as free speech, a right to free speech means that the government, the government never has the right to tell you what you can and cannot say. That sometimes you're going to say things that people don't like. That you're right. And it's up to the people that hear you to discern how they're going to believe or think about what you said. Again, if you missed it, Gordon Lightfoot passed away last night. Great songwriter, great singer. We'll close the show today with his second big hit, Sundown. See you tomorrow. I can
2: see her lying back in her satin dress. still She's been looking every move that a man could make, getting lost in her loving is your first mistake. Sundown, you'd better take care if I find you've been creeping round my back stairs Sometimes I think it's a sin when I feel like I'm winning, when I'm losing again. It's a shame when I get feeling better When I'm feeling no pain Sundown, you better take care If I find you've been creeping around my back still. Feel like I'm winning when I'm losing again.